Welcome to PPM Simplifies. This is a weekly podcast that will help you have a better understanding on environmental regulations and how they relate to your industry. In each episode, we'll talk with experts across various industries who will share their insights with you. This is PPM Simplifies. We're joined by an exceptional guest today, Mr. Jordan Harper, out of our Monroe, Louisiana office. Jordan is a young environmental professional working on a uh, almost 10 years, just shy of that, I think around eight, if I remember correctly. And uh, he is an amazing environmental professional, does a lot on the due diligence side. And I thought it would be interesting. I think you'll find it cool to hear uh, some of his insights to his career so far and some of the things he's run into. Good morning, Jordan. How are you? Good morning. It's a it's a cool, crisp morning, and it reminds me of the fall up north. Well, I tell you, uh, in Louisiana, sometimes if you want to see the seasons, you just wait around. You'll see all four of them in one day. We may get to that point today. <laughs> I think we are going to get to that point today. So, uh, well, man, thanks for joining us. I know our listening audience, uh, this is going to be a full one for us. And let's go ahead and get into it. So, Jordan, going back, uh, what created your interest in the environmental field? Well, I was initially inspired by my high school biology teacher. As many people are in this sort of field, we we find our inspiration early. Somebody who has a real passion for the things that also make us passionate. My passion was really driven by my high school biology teacher who taught me how to seek out opportunities to learn and look around and see the amazing planet that we have here. Uh, My focus in school was often uh, training towards conservation. That's the development, implementation, evaluation of plans or resources for the protection of our natural habitat. Uh, The move to an environmental field from conservation was really an obvious one. It was an easy step for me to take, and it's allowed me to further value aspects such as due diligence here at PPM and conducting things like the Phase 1 environmental site assessments. So, so you're telling me when you were a young man for your uh, eighth birthday, no one gave you an environmental vest and kit and said, hey, Jordan, this is what you should be. You didn't get that kit when you were when you were young. You know, something to kind of develop in your in your core studies. Uh, it may have been more of a mixture of the two. Uh, I was often out in the woods <laughs> looking around at things, taking notes on uh, various weird things you can come across yeah. in nature. Yeah. So just kind of a. I mean, it, it came calling, you know, it, it resonated because you had that mindset already. So that's, that's very cool. Very cool. So, you know, thinking about that as you, you know, go into college and then you know, graduate into the murmur field, have there been any surprises along your career path, Jordan? Oh, definitely many surprises. Uh, in this due diligence field, uh, we look into investigations and it's a they're a lost part of history. You can look into dairies or plantations or cotton mills and production facilities to something more uh, intriguing and industrialized like waste recycling sites or service stations. There's always something new to gather through site research. I'm constantly surprised by the depth of history in our area. Uh, even changes over a few decades can be something completely different. That That is true. And, you know, you have looked at literally hundreds of, and hundreds of sites so far in your career. I know you've got some interesting field tales to share with us. Oh, yes. Um, during a phase one in a local area called Bastrop, I came across something called a pressing club. 
inside of one of our resources, we use a fire insurance map from before World War II. Todd, have you ever heard of a pressing club? Hmm, pressing club. Um, is it where urgent matters come to get discussed because they're pressing? Very close. A pressing club was actually the thing that predated dry cleaners. The club was a something that people could come in and for a dollar or two a month, they were able to bring in their clothes, have them washed and pressed so they can go ahead and lead those pressing matters in business. That is so, that is so funny. You know, kind of, I think about, uh, you know, the evolution of it. So you had these, you know, pressing clubs, which evolved into the uh, BMG Music Record Clubs, where you get 12 CDs for a penny. Then it became the streaming, uh, where we find ourselves now, you know, everybody streams our content. So what what, what evolution? That is kind of something cool to find, though, that look back in history, the way people lived, that was just, an actual, I mean, that was actually a luxury thing, I'm sure, to be a member of a pressing club. And uh, today, not so much. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was something pretty much exclusive to the South and something that only dated uh, before World War II. You're not going to find any pressing clubs in the 60s and 70s around here. You're not going to find pressing clubs up north. What you are going to find is those things that predated dry cleaners, things that do have risks associated with them, things such as uh, petroleum solvents or even moving into those early chlorinated dry cleaning chemicals. So, Jordan, what is the interoffice in Monroe we inherited the set of law books from the 1880s? What's the oldest document you've ever encountered in your work in the environmental field? Actually, the oldest ones are not from this area. I was able to date back into the late 1700s in some of the documentation from New Orleans, things that predated that uh, War of 1812. Gosh, that's kind of cool, though, to have a document. That was, you know, literally hundred, you know, a couple hundred years old, and and there's some commonalities that even today it's still the same thing. But then there's some things that were done at that period of time which are very, you know, antiquated to us. So that had to be had to be interesting as you studied that. Oh, uh, being able to dig through and then pull out those interesting tidbits. Digging deeper into the research and finding out what those things could have mean. Obviously, uh, a pressing club is not something that's currently around, but it either is an electric shoe shop, which we ran into in West Monroe. An electric shoe shop is, isn't uh, hoverboards or roller skates or electric foot massages. It's not a Dick Tracy sort of 50s magnificent event. It's simply a area that had a shop with electric machinery to repair shoes, being able to separate out those weird little quirks of history and pulling out the things of environmental concern is really the core of our phase one process. No doubt. Very cool, my friend. Very cool. So I want to go a little bit more technical now. Obviously, you know, in the environmental field, you kind of develop three different entities. You've got the responsible party or, you know, relay community or asset purchaser or owner. You've got the consultant, which is where the space we sit in, and then the regulators. How do you characterize the relationship between those those entities and interaction between them? It's really a balanced relationship. It's our familiarity as consultants with the requirements of 
the state regulators that makes us so valuable to our clients. We have years of experience. We have tested procedures that allow us to meet the demands of regulators. But, of course, to the clients, we're a resource to clarify the often complicated process of being brought into compliance by the state or remaining in compliance throughout their processes. We're here to ensure that our clients' needs are protected, and we'll take those extra steps to simplify the complex. You know, communication is the key. If you're if you're listening to the podcast and you know you have regulations that you're struggling with or the you know regulators are asking you to do things, you know talking back and forth and getting understanding and that's where the consultants that's the space we sit in. That's the key to making it happen. And Jordan, you know you do an amazing job with that. So we appreciate all your efforts there for sure. So in your career so far, man, do you have any highlights? We know about the the clubs you want to join, but uh, any other highlights that you'll you'll talk about? Well, it's been a real point of pride to see those phase ones turn into things, allowing vacant piece of land to turn into something that's productive community or a vacant piece of property, something that had been abandoned for decades, turn into a productive business in town, a new industry, something that's coming in and making our area better is is a real point of pride for me. Uh, I, I get to drive down the street and say, hey, look, I, I worked on that. And now it's something that I can visit. We do have ways of benefiting others through these sort of things. One of those ways is through the Brownfield Grant. Brownfield Grant is not something that people often think about, but it's a a grant given by the EPA to cities to encourage development in areas that are underutilized or abandoned. Now, the Brownfield Grant is often a complicated process, but it's one that we're familiar with and allows us to uh, take those barriers preventing the redevelopment for unused or perceived contained property and redevelop them into something useful for the community. Absolutely. You know, that, that that's what it's about. It's taking something that you know, it's not being used and potentially blighted, you know, uh, rumors or innuendo about, hey, there's environmental conditions that exist that you don't want to, you don't want to get near that facility, that, that parcel and, uh, and then see it rise up. Man, that, that, that is a good, good feeling and brought back into commerce. So well, well said, sir. So I was wondering with your time in the field, Jordan, the things you've accomplished, which are absolutely incredible. If you were visiting with someone, and maybe there's someone in our listening audience that's thinking about the environmental career, uh, you know, young man, young lady, and they're you're ready to kind of launch out, uh, what are some things you would share with them as they, you know, consider, you know, pursuing the environmental field? Well, I would say there are two key areas. The first is learning to write in a scientific manner. Writing in the second person, writing in something that's passive is not something that's normal to our daily life and certainly not the way that people post on Twitter or Instagram. You want to promote yourself when doing that. But when you're writing in a scientific manner, you want to make sure that the ideas and the follow through is clear. You want to be able to bring forward the history of the site and explain exactly what has been done there in a way that just doesn't feel common to our discussions in society. It's something that needs to be practiced and practiced intentionally. The second thing is developing your ability to complete research, finding things that you just don't know what they mean and desiring to ask those questions that will allow you to get to the real answers. If you see something that just doesn't make sense, either based on location or description, 
being able to find those resources. Google is not always going to give it to you on the front page. Being able to find those resources to tell you, oh, this guy down the street, he's had a business there for 50 years. He might know what it means to say that this property was owned by an oil manufacturer when it's always been a business building. He might know what it means to say that, oh, there are these round footings in the ground. He might know what that means. Or being able to look at research and develop your ability to dig down into the smaller details and pull out what those gaps could be hiding. Excellent. Excellent, man. And uh, I think if you're out there listening, uh, Jordan just shared some really, really good thoughts there. And please consider as you, as you develop your opportunity to, come to, to pursue the environmental field. Well, Jordan, as promised, I think this has been incredible. I have enjoyed it. Thank you for being so open and transparent and sharing some of your insights and adventures with us. And uh, just think you've got a many, many more to come. So that's 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 what kind of gets me, you know, going every day is thinking about, you know, what's in store for us. And um, there's always cool projects you're going to run into. And uh, thanks for all the great work. And I know our audience has enjoyed uh, you today. If you'd like to hear more, uh, if Jordan said something or shared something uh, that sparks some interest, uh, the easiest way to reach out to Jordan or myself is go to our new website, Shameless Plug. Uh, it's at ppmco.com, and you'll find a contact us and just reach out to us uh, via the World Wide Web, and we'll be happy to help you. Uh, Jordan, as we wrap up, any parting thoughts? Um, thank you for this opportunity, Todd, and I'm excited to see how people develop. Absolutely, man. Well, thanks. And again, thanks for tuning in. Be looking for a more podcast, PPM Simplifies the Future. Until next time, this is Todd Perry signing off. This is PPM Simplifies. Thank you for finding our podcast. For more information, be sure to visit our website at ppmco.com. To stay updated on new episodes, feel free to subscribe to PPM Simplifies on your podcast app of choice. Until next time, this is PPM Simplifies.